Folks, you see the promo on the bottom of the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Remember, Bodog's now a partner of YWC Football Talk. Up to $400, they will match your first deposit. Scan the QR code or check out the link in the bio if you're listening. But now that that's out of the way, guys, this is episode number 260. And today, we're bringing in the big guns from New York. We're bringing in the man that loves Buffalo and analytics and cap numbers. And we're bringing in the man that is all about the DVOA. Why? Because for the first time ever, we're doing an AFC East report card episode of YWC Football Talk, where each person is going to tell you how they feel about their team. You know what? I'm going to say this right off the hop. The man I'm going to let go first is the man whose team has surprised us the most. Danny, I'm giving this one to you. Four and three. The Jets have been a big, nice surprise this year so far. And I'm going to let you take the floor. So what's going to happen here, guys? Danny's going to talk, and then we're all going to come back in once he is finished. Oh, okay, okay. Well, uh, hello. Uh, where'd I go? I don't even see myself anymore. Are we here? You're we good, my friend. You are good. I'm going to go away, but you're good. You're on the screen. Just talk and do your thing. What the heck? We have lost him for a second, so guys, you know what? You got him. Oh, wait, wait, wait! I, we we got him back. We got his <laughs> the man whose uh, feed is as effective as the Jets' offense. Danny, are you ready? Are you here? Sure. Or, 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 <laughs> okay, or little chief. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Off to a banger start. You go. You uh, go. Um, hello, uh, happy belated Halloween to everybody. Uh, I dressed up as Mike McDaniel. Just wanted to show off my costume a little bit. So, uh, yeah. So, the four and three New York Jets. If you would have told me that before the season, I would have been like, yeah, you know, that's fair. You know, things are getting um, adjusted still. But if you would have told me that Zach Wilson's been the quarterback since every snap before, I'd be like, you're crazy. So to say this season's been a surprise for me, um, I'm just like, I'm expecting the plane to crash at any second, but the defense just won't let it happen. This defense again. I'm sorry, I have the TV on. That's where my light comes in. Uh, the defense has just been outstanding. Uh, guys just stepping up the offense, as you expect. Worst in the league. Um, unfortunately for my boy Garrett Wilson, who I thought was gonna, on his way to a 1,500-yard season, has been underwhelming. Uh, Brees Hall, still an alien, still getting back. Everyone said, oh, he wouldn't come back and be the same guy after the ACL. I said bullshit, and he's still the same guy. It's only getting better. Um, but yeah, as far as expectations, man, that AFC, it's, it's, it's stacked. Um, the only hope we have really going right now is Aaron Rodgers done, does what nothing's been done before. And he comes back in three and a half months from an Achilles tear and, uh, you know, he suits up and we go on this historic fantasy land little run. But as far as right now, we're just hanging in there and I'm okay with that. It's, it's, I, Admitted the season was lost right after he went down, and I'm just shocked to be four and three. To be honest with me, to be honest with you, so that's really all I have to say about us. And the rest of us are coming back in hot and heavy, guys. For Greg and Big Rat, what do you guys think of the New York Jets so far throughout the first half of the 2023 season? I I think Danny was spot on. Like I I think we would be the exact same if you told me they were four and three. I would have been like, oh, I maybe expected a little bit. Uh, higher, but yeah, it's tough. There's a tough schedule, especially their opening schedule. 
to tell me that they're four and three with that opening schedule with Zach Wilson as the quarterback the whole time, it, it would it backs up all of my fears going into the season in that well, Jesus, you give that roster to Aaron Rodgers, this is gonna be an issue. Um, so you know, again, Jets fans have dealt with the same futility I have my entire life, and for most uh, Dolphins fans who aren't Big Rat's dad, uh, most of the people who are not old enough to have ever seen the Dolphins matter either. Um, it sucks. Like I, I, I genuinely feel bad because this is really a fantastic roster, and I think the chance of what they could have done with Rodgers would have been a lot of fun to see in the NFL, and just seeing bubblegum and duct tape from the quarterback position with that run game and that defense and they're beating you know not just you know don't get me wrong some are the giants and the broncos but beating the eagles beating the bills like beating legit teams that you know you're those are the kind of teams you play in the playoffs that's that's exciting stuff so i i don't know i don't know if it'll keep up i don't know if um you know right now technically they'd be out of the playoffs but they're tied so i mean it's not theoretically impossible um if they could stack up enough wins where some medical marble or like listening to dolphins have sex i'm not sure 100 how that heals but like yeah, apparently if you listen yep. to the sonic waves of dolphins making passionate love it can help heal you faster um he'll go in another darkness retreat if he's there no team's gonna want to play the jets with that roster and <laughs> aaron Rodgers there so um i i do hope at least one of the wheels falls off, so I don't have to worry about that right now. But the fact that it looks like they're going to be like that next year, we're going to have to deal with it at some point. Uh, yeah, kind of echoed most of the same. Uh, the the team they kind of remind me of. I don't know if Danny would. I don't know if Danny does or does not. I like this. They they kind of remind me of like those other Jets teams of the early 2010s, mm-hmm. like that kind of vibe. I actually got and I got that from another Jets fan on Twitter that was talking about them talking about Zach Wilson in the realm of Mark Sanchez where it's not great but at least it like is occasionally good enough to not get in the way too much. Like I saw his interceptions are way down this year from what his normal interception rate is. He doesn't miss as much of the checkdowns as he used to. It's still not I mean we are coming off like a historic game of punts so it's not like the offense is rolling but it's at least at that Sanchezian level where you can like score 20 points and the defense can embarrass an elite quarterback like they've done several times this year. And that can kind of, especially that first year with Sanchez where I think they went nine and seven, correct me if I'm wrong in the regular season and then made the playoff run. Yeah. Kind of like that kind of team for whatever that's worth. Maybe the highs won't be as high because of this era of the AFC and the quarterbacks in the AFC, but at least kind of maybe that kind of level. So I can kind of do agree that of all those teams fighting for that seventh spot, you know, if it's like them or Cleveland, it's kind of similar arguments for both. And I think the Jets, like, there's at least stability at the quarterback position, as crazy as that sounds. I think this whole thing the Browns are doing where every week, sometimes Watson plays, sometimes we don't know if he'll play, at least as of now, is kind of chaotic. And I don't know if you can sustain a long run doing that, um, unless he just comes back and plays every week as normal. Uh, so I, I do think the, the Jets are still in good position there. I am expecting like because i'll probably talk about this when i get my thing i'm expecting the jets to beat the dolphins one of the two games they play it wouldn't surprise me at all uh so when you throw in all the other games in their schedule if you look at their schedule like raiders falcons texans commanders patriots those are five games they'll be favored 
depending on if Watson's playing, being at Cleveland is at minimum a winnable game, if not favored. Uh, and then two against Miami, one against Buffalo. And honestly, maybe this coming Monday night against the Chargers might actually be pretty critical for when you talk about tiebreakers and whether something matters at the end. Those are two teams very likely at similar records come playoff time and wildcard time fighting for that six or seven seed. That could really matter. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, I really agree with that take because I feel like Monday night's the true game where it's kind of like what New York Jet team are we going to see? Because obviously their first full primetime game, Sands, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, look, he played the four snaps in the game that Danny was at. Danny was there for the home opener. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. But um, the one thing I'll give them props for, too, is the fact that they have the two signature wins on the year. They beat the they beat your Bills week one, but then they beat the Eagles and ended their undefeated streak week six. And even still, Sunday, I know it was Northwestern Iowa in MetLife between the Giants and the Jets. But I'll give Zach Wilson his props for putting on his big boy pants and doing his two-minute drill in, what was it, a minute 30? Getting down the like field, obviously. Look, pardon me? It was like 31 seconds. My bad. After Grant yeah. Gano shanked his field goal later to learn that he had an injured knee, and I don't know why he was playing. But the fact that he went down the field, managed the clock perfectly, uh, Robert Salas really got his guys playing and really bought in. And even to another piece, and I know Danny's very – Kind of as well. Quincy Williams has been a big surprise for uh, this New York Jets team this uh, year. He's been a baller for them. And the, the the most surprising thing about the season is every single one of our O linemen, except for Lakin Tomlinson, has went down, and Makai Becton has stayed healthy, who's been an injury liability his whole career. So you know the way he's been hanging in there, good for him. But we're just duct taping, you know, O line pieces from the practice squad. We had a guy on Sunday who's never taken a snap in his life you know, snapping the ball to Zach. So we're, we're hanging in there. Every win, there's been a season-ending injury, though. So that kind of sucks. I uh, I read something that, you know, Urban Meyer did a lot of embarrassing things while he was in charge in Jacksonville. And the fact that letting Quincy Williams walk for nothing might be the most embarrassing is, is pretty impressive when you consider what the list was that that – Quincy Williams wasn't even good enough to make their roster. Yeah. And he just cut him for nothing. That's it. Quincy was bad, though. He really did need a lot of developing. And, you know, Salah really got the most out of him for what he's doing. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm even impressed. Because when we re-signed him in this offseason, I'm like, why? We could do so much better than him. But I'm so huge glad step forward. on that one. So yeah, glad. huge step forward. But and even, and even still, I'm oh, sorry to cut you off, Big Rad. I just want to say – I feel like Salah and Douglas, their seats are really hot at the beginning of the year for obvious reasons. Look, it was you bring in this huge acquisition in Aaron Rodgers, you build all around him, you bring in his guys. But even though the fact, unless Aaron Rodgers comes in and says, I want to change, I feel like there's no reason why the two of them aren't in New Jersey next year. They've, I think they've earned job security at least, I would say, 24 and 25, just because you want to wait and see how 24 goes first before I go into 25, 26, 27, et cetera. Yeah, even even if things do somehow go off the rails and hey they stop pulling out some of the defensive wins in the in the run game and things like that and it ends seven and ten or something like that, the fact of what they've built to this point and what they've kept together with what that expectation was, I, I think, is already earned that that next step. Well, especially it seems like Salah, you know, like in the NFL, you're often judged as a head coach. Like, what are you adding? And it's not just like the defensive play calls. It's also like this kind of cultural resilience thing that they got going on where everyone was so heartbroken by all the, I read all the reports that like even the Johnson family was just like devastated after the opener 
and like the realization that the whole dream was dead for another year and to like get everyone excited, get everyone cheering, beating the Eagles. I, I feel like that goes a long way, even if it doesn't result in a playoff spot, it still just goes a long way to show what you contributed to the organization. And I feel like to Danny's point, yeah, it seems like they're pretty good unless they like, I guess, literally lose every game from here on out, but there's no reason to suspect that either. And even digging your whole digging yourself out of that one and three hole, you know, everyone thought, you know, all right, whatever, throw in the throw in the towel, the season's done. And then they played the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football, and we all just saw Zach play the best game he ever, you know, played. And then I guess they just picked up that momentum, you know, bought in, and you know, now we're on a, a three game win streak. So let's keep going. Do you think guys think even regardless if they get into the playoffs that Robert Sala's name could be in the coach of the year conversation? If he takes them to the playoffs and, and Rodgers doesn't play a game, absolutely. And besides the fact that what, him and D'Amico Ryans, like I, there's not like a glaring, obvious candidate right now because even some yeah. of the best teams have had weird, weird fallback losses and somebody will seem like the hot, you know, Shanahan looked untouchable, lost three in a row and just everything like that. I, that kind of narrative of like, oh my God, he took, you know, that, that team, you know, with losing Rodgers uh, to the playoffs, absolutely. Yeah, and especially since, like, D'Amico, if he makes the playoffs, has, like, the very, like, stereotypical case. The first year, new head coach taking over a bad team, playoffs, it's, like, textbook for coach of the year. But in this hypothetical, if the Jets make it, it likely means the Texans didn't make it because it would be very hard for both to make it because seemingly two AFC East teams and two AFC North teams are getting in no matter what. So for that reason, it does seem like odds are good in his favor. You know, maybe, like, the one to watch out for, I saw this post over the weekend, if the Lions were to, like, win a lot of games, like win, like, 13, 12, one or two seed, that kind of overwhelming narrative that, yes, people thought they would be good, but this is the Detroit Lions that is currently, like, the two seed in the NFC, that could weigh a lot in voters' minds, especially since Campbell is getting a lot of credit for kind of the turnaround they've had down there. It's not like all the credit's going to as well as Goss played. It's not a new quarterback. It's not like a great def- defense that they're relying on. Like, a lot of it is, like, culturally being credited to Campbell, so... He's one that I think could maybe steal it. But, yeah, whoever t- gets that playoff spot in the AFC, that last one, has a good shot. Yeah, I agree. Um, another thing I'll say, too, with Campbell is just I know he was the favorite going into the year, but I feel like, too, everyone expected Detroit, you know, hey, win the AFC North, make the playoffs. So I think they would ultimately have to win the one seed for him to get coach of the year. In my it, it would have to, yeah, like going 10-7 and seven and winning the division probably wouldn't be enough. It would probably have to be, like, something significant, like hosting multiple playoff games at home. Something like that. Which would be amazing to see Ford Field in a playoff atmosphere. Um, for the next team, you know what? I'm going to take the take the. Ah, I'm giving words much up. I'm going to take the talents of the team to a man whose team, you know what? Maybe Hallett Hall hasn't gone right. It's been a little weird and wonky October. And with that, Greg Tomset, take it away. Oh, uh, you are. I can't hear you at the moment. Just gotta. Not sure what happened. You okay? Went on mute we're for good? a second. Oh, you're good. We're back. All right. Okay. At one point, we're going to go to the solo screen, and it's going to go smoothly. I I have faith in in Big Rat. Um. So as we uh, go through here, if I'm giving report cards, you know, I'm going to give the Bills a C plus. Like they they haven't failed the class. They're not. They haven't dug so deep of a hole that even a good midterm and final can't dig you out of it. Uh. But it's certainly been you know below expectations and not what you know, anyone rooting for the team was hoping for. Uh, So as you go through, obviously there's pieces of it in not in Aaron Rodgers-esque injury, but losing, you know, 
Daquan Jones, Matt Milano, Trey White, arguably the three most important players at each layer of the defense has been a challenge. And then whether it's the integrating new pieces on offense, connecting with offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey, getting on the same page there, they've had you know, crazy hot runs where they put up 115 points in three games and are, you know, the highest scoring team in the NFL. And then three games where they can barely get out of their own way are going into the fourth quarter scoreless against the Jets are, um, you know, just not able to get anything together in some really uh, ugly games. And even a game that wasn't uh, ever terribly in doubt that they were beating Tampa Bay the entire time, it comes down to a freaking Hail Mary at the end. So um, right now this team is holding on. They're staying competitive and in the run uh, that you can turn things around later. The fortunate part is it doesn't actually matter how well you're playing in, in week eight of a season. It just matters. Are you eligible in the playoffs? You get hot at the right time. Do you get some people back getting healthy? Um, so that's all the Bills can really hold on to right now is can they avoid further injury? Can they make themselves eligible and then hope that somewhere over these next nine games, they do start to figure it out, do start to get back to where some of those expectations were? Because if they play the way they had the last four weeks, it's not going to matter what happens in the playoffs anyways. Well said. And you know what, guys? We will get it right. Third time is always a charm is the famous expression. (laughs) Um, I have a saying with teams where – I always like to say good teams win, but great teams cover. Obviously, that's mm. the thing. We don't know Buffalo's great, but obviously, like, look, you were right. Um, there was the trip over to London that was bad for injury-wise, and then it was – because, like, like, look, for you guys, week four, it seemed like, holy crap, this Bills team is legit. This Bills team is for real. Going and hanging 48 points on a Miami team that beat Denver by 50, including a 70-burger on them as well. Um, but then, look, there's been a bit of a rough patch. I feel like I've been saying this too. I don't know if this is the year for Buffalo, but I feel like a lot of teams, and I know this from experience, you have to go through some form of adversity to get to the mountaintop. I feel like it's not just a hop, skip, and a jump and go. Like a lot of the years when New England won, I'm referring more in the second half of the dynasty in the 2010s. They had some pretty bad losses, like 2018, the Miracle of Miami, late mid-December. Obviously, Big Rat knows a lot about that. And then the next week, they go into Pittsburgh and the same thing. So with Buffalo, I've seen similar traits to where, look, hey, New York, it wasn't pretty, but you guys found a way to get it done. Then obviously, October 22nd, greatest day of my life this season so far, hopefully. Uh, And then Sunday and then last Thursday against uh, Tampa, which was kind of a Dalton Kincaid coming out party where we see, hey, this is why he was drafted as high as he was. Um, The one question I have is, do you th- uh, and ha- and I don't know too too much about this. I saw a little bit of this because I, I don't think I think I told you this before, but I get a lot of the Buffalo channels up here because obviously I'm close to Buffalo. And I saw a show called Buffalo Kickoff Live. And it was uh, I don't know two of the guys' names, but one of them was uh, Sal. I know he's a very yeah Sal Capaccio, Capaccio, uh, Matt Perino, Tim Graham, and Thad Brown. Maybe uh, Thad Brown days. and Sal. Uh, those are the two names that ring uh, ring a bell. Same with Matt Perino. Um, we're basically saying how this week coming in, it's very – we don't know what the emotion is going to be like in the locker room. But from a fan perspective, is there emotion going into the game this Sunday? Just not so much the game itself, but the circumstances that surround the game, considering where it is and that the fact that it has the primetime label on it. So 
I mean, obviously, there's there's it's going to be impossible to avoid it because every media outlet is going to be talking about Demar Hamlin's return and the story, and there's such a narrative element of that that I I can't blame them. I, you know, I understand. I I don't actually think that's what many fans are are thinking about. Um, other than simply because we've kind of moved past that idea of like it was amazing he's been but he's played for a while now we're 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 eight games into it he's played multiple games he's been a healthy scratch multiple games but like that portion of it if that had been like the season opener in a primetime game back in Cincinnati I think that could have been really really powerful emotionally so there will be a piece of that I'm sure that they'll recognize the training crew uh the doctors in the hospital in Cincinnati I'm sure there'll be a moment before the game all of the players were asked about it at the press conferences today. Everybody kind of had the same thing. Jordan Phillips is more where I'm at in that he's like, you know, I'm certain that there's going to be emotions, but I'm more focused on the fact that they've kicked our ass the last two times we've played. Um, and that's way, way more where most of the fans are in that, like, yeah, of course, like we want to see those people honored and we do want to see a round of applause for the amazing heroes that, that saved his life that night. And then we want to get to the football game and then see what's going on here. So um, I, I won't lie, watching Burrow look as healthy as he's looked all season and them like just completely annihilate the 49ers last week, I didn't feel awesome about that. <laughs> um, so I, I guess we're going to find out because I think they look as good as they've looked since the playoffs last year. And this is as good of a test as we're going to get of like, hey, do you, have you guys actually figured this out? Are you ready to play against the big boys? And we'll, we'll find out. I got I got two questions. So the first is those three injuries. Obviously, you know every every NFL podcast doesn't talk about the Bills without mentioning Daquan Jones, Matt Milano, Trey White. So I just want a little bit of clarity on this because maybe it's just me as a Finns fan. I'm trying to find the answers here and can't find them. <clears throat> we know that Trey White is like done done. Are the other two done done, or is this like a thing where like in the playoffs they may come back like Vita Vea did for the Bucks a few years ago? And the second question is. Uh, the Dorsey stuff, because every time you guys lose and don't play well on offense, it seems like it's all your fan base talks about. And how much of it is legit? How much of it is just being a sore loser and like just wanting someone to blame? Like kind of those two topics. What were your thoughts on those? So one, obviously, Trey White is Achilles and short of some like miraculous dolphin sex going on. Yeah. I don't expect even if you had the exact same scenario with Rodgers and Trey White playing relatively immobile quarterback versus playing NFL cornerback is not the same thing. So I do think Trey White will see him next year. That's not remotely possible for a cornerback. It's like maybe non-zero chance possible for a quarterback, but still would be miraculous. Uh, so he's for sure done. At the other end of the spectrum, Daquan Jones is actually highly likely to return. Um, we've seen a whole bunch of players, TJ Watt being one of the most recent examples. This is a like eight to 12 week injury, the playoffs will be 15 weeks from when he got hurt. So I would say it is more likely than not. And Daquan Jones himself has said he fully intends to come back and play. Um, so I don't know if it'll be a lot before the playoffs. It might be like game day active once or twice. And then like, kind of like the comments with Danny, like, we got to win enough games for it to matter for, for him to be there. Um, but I do think it's actually fairly likely. And I love the Linval Joseph signing earlier today because that's the guy we're missing is the enormous mountain of a human in the middle who keeps the linebackers clean. So at least we have a fill in until then. 
and then we get Daquan Jones back, who is much more versatile, uh, can do more pass rushing, more than what Linval Joseph can, who is just kind of an immovable guy, but isn't, you know, collapsing pockets and stuff like that, like Daquan Jones was. Matt Milano, I'm going to put at a 20% chance. It does sound like it was not as gruesome, kind of like the Nick Chubb situation where we all watched it and then we heard the news and we were like, really? Like that looked like the worst thing I've ever seen. And it, it wasn't <laughs> as bad as what they were saying. So I think it was the what, tibial plateau fracture, which is like at the top where your, your lower leg bone connects to the knee and then some MCL stuff. But that was it. There wasn't any full ligament tears. There wasn't anything there. Um, we have a guy at cover one, Kyle Trimble, who's a, a physical therapist, a doctor of physical therapy, um, that does a lot of that injury stuff. And his like phrasing is, if everything in the rehab, every milestone in the rehab goes absolutely perfect, maybe, you know, it's so it's it's less than 50 50. It's not super likely, but it's possible that Milano can come back. If he came back, it would be in the playoffs or it could be like last year. Um, but before the Bills got the crap kicked out of them by the Bengals, um, Micah Hyde had just been cleared. And if Micah Hyde, um, if the Bills had won, Micah Hyde would have been cleared to play in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. Maybe it's something like that. They're like, not only would they have to make the playoffs, but they'd have to go on a run in the playoffs. And then maybe Milano could come back. So I think Daquan Jones is 80, 90% likely. Uh, you would have to be a setback to stop him. Trey White is 0%. I would put Milano at 20%. Possible, but I'm not counting on it. Um, Ken Dorsey is... It's hard. We get in a lot of fights at Cover 1 with our own fans about Ken Dorsey because he's absolutely a whipping boy and an excuse for a lot of people. But he's also not perfect. Like He hasn't done a great job. There has been some times where we can tell he's setting some stuff up and like not necessarily using his best stuff early because he wants to set it up to have a counter to that when the defense adjusts, and then they don't get in the situation to use it later on, so then it looks bad. Um, we haven't seen a ton of creativity. It took till last week to really get Dalton Kincaid involved. We paid Deontay Hardy a fair amount of money, and they haven't seen a ton of schemed-up plays or like intentional ways to get him the ball. So I think that he could do better, but also – James Cook's having the best season a running back's ever had under Josh Allen. The offensive line's playing as well as anyone we've seen. A lot of that's with schemed up protections and things like that. Josh Allen's having the most efficient season he's ever had. He's you know got 73% completion percentage, whatever the hell it is. That's not a Josh Allen stat that anybody expects. Um, so I think everybody ignores all the good things or applies all the good things to Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs or the players. And then any of the bad things is never Josh or Stefan's fault and is only Ken Dorsey's fault. And it's probably a little mix of both. Uh, one thing I have to say uh, as well, do we think Gabe Davis is a bit of a whipping boy as well? Because it always seems like ever since that playoff game in Kansas City, even to the New England playoff game in uh, 2022, <laughs> I believe, I know, look, a lot of people had touchdowns in that game for you guys, but... It's, it's um, hard to keep track. All, all the I know, but it, it's specifically the Kansas City game. The four touchdowns, he goes off, but then – and then even to week one last year, great start. We hit a great week four against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but then ever since, I feel like people kind of 
do you think people have not overrated, but do you think they've kind of put him on a higher pedestal than what he's actually meant for? Or do we think he is the wide receiver two option of Buffalo long-term? Cause obviously he is in a contract here right now. I don't know the answer to that. Like as far as the off season and long-term, I'm super curious. I I've told people, I get a lot of Tremaine Edmonds vibes in that um, draft investment, super well loved and respected team captain leader the draft develop retain all the different stuff legitimate work so just uh, all full disclosure we have a good relationship with gabe davis uh from a cover one standpoint so i i know more about his situation than most teams um they are and they they were having very involved uh extension discussions it didn't come together everybody agreed that okay once we get to the season you just go play and then we'll see how it goes in the offseason that's exactly what happened with Tremaine Edmonds. You get to the offseason. Once you get to the offseason, every player is going to be like, well, I'm not going to resign now. I want to go see what's out there. And then you see what's out there, and the Bears hand you $18 million a year. And you're like, oh, well, we like you, but we don't $18 million like you. God bless you. Go get that money. So, you know, the Bills, $11 million. The, the Bills, uh, Jacoby Myers love Gabe Davis. The Bills don't Christian Kirk love Gabe Davis so like if it's like oh hey you didn't get the money you expected to get out there sure we'd love to have you back for 11 and a half million 12 we'll give you four years and 50 million and 12 and a half million a year like hey that's kind of the going rate for a wide receiver too and he is he's not Jalen Waddle he's not T Higgins he's not Devontae Smith but he's a good wide receiver too like he's good like that you you can do okay when he's your wide receiver too serviceable he we yeah we can't pay him 15 16 18 million and i don't think another team is going to do that but i didn't think a team was going to give christian Kirk 18 million dollars either Sorry. so uh or Cortland sutton or you know th- there's guys out there that are like well yeah i didn't think they were going to get that deal either so i i i have some tremaine edmonds vibes with him and it makes me a little bit nervous because i like gabe a lot um, but I also want him to get every penny he can get. So if that involves him, I don't know, signing with the Cardinals or signing with the Falcons or, you know, uh, signing with the Texans for $17 million, God bless him. Go get your money. So what I want to ask you was, and I don't want to talk about like the specific division race too much because that's going to come up in my thing. But sure. let's just say hypothetically, like things go poorly for the Bills, they go well for the Dolphins, and the Dolphins end up taking this. And the Bills have to do road playoff games for this whole run. Where is your like confidence level as a fan? Obviously, it's been done before. The Bucks just did it recently. But where's your confidence level as a fan that they can consistently like go into Kansas City, into Cincinnati, into Baltimore, whatever, on not just winning once, but winning several times? Um, so, I mean, obviously, it impacts it. But I will say there's a piece of me that – I kind of have to accept that with the defensive injuries, even if we get some guys back and even though we, you know, adding Rasul Douglas and, and Linval Joseph is better than nothing. Like that's something uh, that's better than the guys who were playing in exchange for uh, the guys who got hurt. So it is an upgrade in theory, but it's not all of a sudden we're not going to become some stalwart defense. So we're going to have to outscore people. It's easier to score points in January in Miami than it is in Buffalo. So if we got to win a shootout, Maybe that's better. I don't know. Um, it's obviously I would prefer 
to have home games. I'd prefer to have the crowd. I'd prefer to have those things. But, you know, I, I, I did a post before and I told some fans, I'm like, this isn't in my best interest as someone who literally like profits off people's interest in my content on a week to week basis. But nothing that happens right now matters. Nothing. If the Bills rattle off nine straight wins and we finish the year uh, 14 and three, and then we lose in the first round of the playoffs, no one's going to give a shit about the nine straight wins. If we keep going, win-loss, 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 lose to some teams, we shouldn't have a scrappy, ugly game that is a win, but people don't feel good about it, and we go back and forth and we end up 10-7, and but then we rattle off three straight wins and go to the Super Bowl, no one's going to care about the anxiety and the stress and the, you know, pearl clutching all season long of like, oh my God, I can't believe we couldn't, you know, look better. You didn't make it seem easy. You didn't make it feel, you know, fun the whole time. No one will care. So that only goes so far. You can't dig so much of a hole that you don't even qualify. You can't stub your toes so many times that you don't even get in the dance. But ultimately, the NFL has shown more and more that home field advantage matters less than we used to think. It's not as impactful as what we kind of grew up thinking it is. We've seen both Giants runs and the Ravens run and the Buccaneers run and we've seen the Rams run even. We've seen multiple teams make these runs when it's not a bunch of home games. Um, So, yeah, of course, do I want to go – to Miami and then to Baltimore and then to Kansas City? No, of course not. I would really prefer not to do that. But, you know, I, I don't I, – I think it's one of those things where, oh, at home the Bills are a 53% chance to win and on the road they're a 46% chance to win. It's, it's not that big of a difference in the grand scheme of things. Danny, do you have anything to add? No, it's just, uh, you know – the Bills are just playing to their competition, like you guys have said. You know, once they get in gear, we see this every year. I think the Bengals last year, they did the same thing, you know, at the beginning of the season. Um, but I think they're starting to find Kincaid now, which I've been waiting for. I'm sure you have too, Greg. So it's nice to see him get involved. And uh, I just think it's it's a whole bunch of overreacting. I think by December, they'll get it together, and then, you know, we'll see from there. But uh, I definitely don't think uh, they're the best team in the AFC. So that's it. Hey, it's impossible to say it right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, looking ahead to just before we go to Big Rat, two weeks from now, you guys obviously are one and two in division. Two weeks from now, you guys host the New York Jets at home. Do you think, for the sake of winning the division, that game is a must win? Um, I mean, so the Bills obviously losing to the Jets and the Patriots already having in division losses and how <laughs> having in division losses with how the tiebreakers work, they can't. They can't give up a ton of that. Like it'd be better if the Bills lost to the Eagles and the Cowboys and stuff like that. Um, in division, it's especially even more so than in conference, but in conference too, in the grand scheme of things. Um, yeah, like they, they have to beat the Jets. Like they can't give up where all of a sudden one, you're given another game lead to the Dolphins, where right now they control their their fortunes, where they're a game back, but they already have the tiebreaker. So if they win and beat the Dolphins, they, they then do that same leapfrog. The Jets would have the same thing. They would The Jets would pull the Bills back to the same record, have both games in hand, and have that tiebreaker, and all of a sudden you're a half game up when you're tied. So, um, yeah, as crazy as it sounds, like I don't think people, again, once the Rodgers injury happened, I think, you know, previous to that, that would have been a huge uh, game on the schedule. 
Um, now, it, yeah, it is. It's a must win. They, they have to be able to win those games. They have. They obviously can't drop another one to the Patriots. Um, they can't let a team like the Chargers get their stuff together and start to figure that out. Um, you know, a game like Sunday night, I can live with. If right now the Bengals are really, really hot and they beat the Bills, like I don't think that's going to be the reason they do or don't do anything this season. They look really good right now. It won't like it, and the way I would frame it is if the Bengals win Sunday night, it won't have anything to do with who wins if they play each other again in the playoffs. You know, like it, that won't be the reason that they do or don't win that game. Um, so I, I'd love it. Obviously, if they do win, that would help again with tiebreakers because the Bengals are trying to dig out of their hole uh, from a record standpoint. But yeah, a game uh, against the Jets, they the Bills can't, if they want to be taken seriously and want to get back to where, as Danny put it, if you want to get back to where someone does consider them the best team in the AFC, you have to clean up all those. You have to start winning all the games you're supposed to, and they haven't done that so far. Appreciate the answer. Um, you guys know him for DVOA and some other fun stats. Big Rat 310. I'm going to stay on so we can hopefully hear you talk. Take it away. Is this a successful launch? Are we good? Let's go. All right. DVOA is a good intro because the Miami Dolphins are fifth in DVOA. There are many metrics to determine what is a good team. It is a common topic of discussion that the Dolphins cannot be considered a good team until they beat a good team. But that is not the only metric to evaluate what a good team is. DVOA, which is trusted, schedule-adjusted, and respected by analysts all over the country, have the Dolphins fifth in DVOA, third in the AFC. In point differential, the Dolphins are sixth in the entire NFL. The Dolphins are one of the only winning teams that has a negative turnover differential on the season. So all these seasons, like last year's Eagles were an example, but there's plenty of them, where they're really high in turnover luck, but like, and, that, and they also correspondingly win a lot of games because of that. The Dolphins are not one of those teams. The Dolphins are turning it over more than they're turning the other team over, and they're still 6-2. The Dolphins have a very high floor. That's what's made me very happy about the seasons. The Dolphins don't fuck around with these bad teams. And they don't just win. It's not a sweat. They win comfortably. They get two touchdown spreads by Vegas, and they cover them anyways, like they did against the Giants and against the Panthers. They were 10-point favorites against the Patriots, covered that one too. There's never any drama. It's the same as someone who goes to every game. It is the same game every time. Sure, 70-20 is like a particularly unit. It's very hard to repeat. But the other three home games were identical. The scores were nearly identical. The defense plays a lot better at home. They are not as bad as their reputation is nationally. And that is something that I've been happy to see these last few weeks. Because I was on the show a few weeks ago ranting about how bad the defense was against the Bills. But I said on the previous show that I thought the defense would take some time. I thought the national expectations of the defense being elite right away were very misguided. Because as great as the Lord and Savior Vic Fangio is, it's an incredibly dramatic scheme overhaul. Guys like Emmanuel Ogba and Brandon Jones, who are big parts of the prior regime, do not play on this defense because they don't have roles in this defense. It's a lot to figure out. David Long, everyone loved David Long as a signing, right? David Long did really well the last two weeks. He really struggled to start the year. It was asking a lot for him to come in, play 100% of the snaps, and be a dominant inside linebacker immediately on a brand new team. It was too much to ask. And I think what I wanted to see from the defense was, can you just get better as the year goes along? And that's what they've been doing. Every week, little by little, they get a little bit healthier. Jalen Phillips came back. He hasn't played for most of the season. Jalen Ramsey famously came back last week and played every snap when he came back. 
little by little, they're just improving over the course of the season. They're up to 22nd in defensive DVOA. I said in the previous show, all I wanted was for them to be top 10 by the end of the year. That might be tough. That might not be within reach. But I could very much see a case where they're like 16th by the end of the year. And it's a case where going into the playoffs, if they make the playoffs, the defense is doing a lot better than what their numbers show and that you should actually fear their defense rather than just viewing it as kind of an average run-of-the-mill defense. So things are going well for the division currently because the Dolphins don't trip up because they don't have these games against bad teams. There's a lot of hype on them needing to beat the Chiefs to prove that they're a good team. If they win against the Chiefs and then they lose both games against the Jets, are they really proving they're a good team just because they beat a team with a winning record? Are the Jets and Patriots more of a good team than we are because they beat the Bills? Like, I I don't understand this logic. There's multiple ways to skin a cat. The 1999 Rams went 0-3 against teams with a winning record. That's a true stat. You can look it up. The 2020 Bucks famously lost every game against the winning team they played that whole year except one. They, like, went 1-6 against teams with a winning record overall. It's a very overrated stat. It's not the only stat we have. It's usually a bunch of games in a small sample size. A lot of those games were on the road also. They had not play in Hard Rock Stadium where the Dolphins are a lot better. The Dolphins are 16-5 and five in Tua's career against the spread at home, and they're 17-4 and four straight up. They don't just win. They win. They cover. There's not a lot of drama. They've won 16 of their last 18 games at home, and one of the two losses was when Skylar Thompson was the starting quarterback. This is a dominant home team. If they beat up on bad teams all year and get the first or second seed in the playoffs, they don't need to prove that they can beat a great team on the road because they'll never have to do it. Patrick Mahomes has never played a road playoff game in his career. Not Much less not won one. He's never played one in his career. Tom Brady only had two road playoff wins all those 19 years in New England. It doesn't matter. If you can host a bunch of home games and, and you play better at home like most teams do, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. So this is not some sort of prove-it game, in my opinion, for the Dolphins this weekend. Because after this game, they play the Raiders, the Jets, the Commanders, the Titans, and the Jets again before they play the Cowboys late in the year. Five games against bad teams, somewhat good teams. You know, the Jets will probably be split either way, no matter which game is won in which order. The Dolphins are going to be in good shape regardless of this weekend's game. And the Dolphins have an elite offense and a defense that is improving. That's all I can ask for. I don't see any reason to think why the defense will be worse the back half of the season than they were the front half of the season. So things are going good. Things are ascending. Things are lining up in good place. All we need is health. I'm just hoping that people stay healthy and that the team can maintain the consistency they've had so far. And then if we're such a paper tiger, okay, go beat the Dolphins in Hard Rock Stadium because no one else seems to come close and even trying. That's my rant. No, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to give it off to there. I'm going to let Danny or Greg, whichever one of you wants to go first. Danny, can uh, that was very well said, man. That's a, that was a good defense. Um, I mean, in my eyes, you have to be the, the Chiefs this Sunday to prove, you know, that you you are what you say you're saying right now. I know you're saying it doesn't matter because you have five cupcake teams coming up that you're going to beat up on, and it's going to be all about your seating at the end of the day. I know I will acknowledge you're the best team in the AFC East, of course. There you go. It came out of my mouth. I finally said it. <laughs> I said you were frauds before the season started, but I will take the L on that. Um, you guys have been impressive. You know, Jalen Ramsey had a good debut. That's a big uh, get back for you guys. You know, you got Devon O'Shane coming back, what, next week? Or the uh, week after, after the next, yeah, after, next okay. week's the he, he's, been, he's been just straight dynamite. It's just like, pick your poison with this team, man. But um, 
till you guys beat that elite team. I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna be fully bought in, but uh, you know, bravo to you guys. You guys are you guys are holding it down right now. So, uh, big red, but earmuffs. Cover cover your ears for a second. Uh, the Dolphins are really good. They are. <laughs> um, I will say, I don't think it's quite as simple as it doesn't matter that you've lost your two games to the two best opponents. I think it does matter. Um, I will say the dominance in the other six games shows that they're clearly good enough to win those games. But there is something to even in the locker room, the confidence in the team, because I think let's say, let's say they lose uh, to the chiefs. Let's say that it, it uh, it's a, a good game, but it's not like a, game-winning field goal at the end let's say it's a you know uh 27 21 and the the chiefs are, are leading most of the time dolphins have a good shot at it but just doesn't quite come together but it's not like a last second thing or a comeback by the chiefs i do think there's something that starts to creep into the players minds of like are are we just the bully that beats up all the little kids until somebody punches us in the nose like there is something to that so i think there is something to the confidence that a win against the Chiefs uh, on Sunday, even though it's weird, it's in Germany, there's a lot of odd things to it, would go a long ways. Um, regardless, even if they drop that and go to six and three, there's a pretty darn good chance that they're going to be what ten and four at, at the worst at, at the that uh, fourteen game mark. Um, the ending is tough. You go Cowboys at Ravens, home for Bills. Like that's going to be a very serious ending with likely some pretty significant, uh, you know, elements in play. One, the tiebreaker of whoever wins this weekend between Kansas City and Miami. That that could very much come into play. Um, if the Bills can keep pace, uh, that could come into play on that final game of, of where things go. And obviously, it looks like the Ravens are going to be in the running for uh, a pretty significant seeding. So um, as much as, as Danny put it, like as much as I would like to call them frauds and say that they're only beating up on bad teams, and it is fun to uh, to poke fun less so. I, I like Big Red, but the, the some of the people on, on Twitter that get a little more sensitive and a little more worked up to it, it is fun to post like the winning percentage of the teams the Dolphins have beat and things like that. Um, but unfortunately the statistics back up what he shared in that when you dominate those teams, that is a pretty good indication of how good your team is. I think you phrased it well in that the floor is really, really high. Um, I don't think you're going to get, you know, just blown out in, in games like you have the offense to be able to um, compete in, in just about every game. Um, that, that Bills game was odd in, in the way that some of the things uh, unfolded, and obviously there are players in that game that we don't have anymore. Um, so we'll see uh, how that comes into play uh, towards the end there. But I, I do think that there is something to it that it will matter to the players. And they won't say anything that no one's ever going to admit that or say anything publicly, but there is something to it that I think they want to see that, hey, we can beat the best teams in the league. Um, and obviously, I think Kansas City looks as mortal as they've looked through this entire uh, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes run, like record or not. They've looked, they've had a lot of ugly games in there. They just lost a terrible one to the Broncos. Um, 
they're Dolphins as beatable Toronto. as they've been in a while, and I think that would be big for uh, the Dolphins if they were able to take them down. It is, it is a tricky. Oh, sorry, I'll let, I'll let you go in a second. It, it is a tricky thing as a Finns fan because, and I said this as I said this in the previous show. It's like they are. It feels like they're partially being judged on like, is this the best team in football? Is this the team that can win the AFC, win the Super Bowl? Because like all their other metrics are good. It's like it's like if they, once they if they beat the Chiefs right and they're seven and two, the one seed in the AFC, then like all the articles are going to talk about them a little bit differently, and they kind of just fit as like the team in the AFC to shine on the regular season, kind of like the 2019 Ravens in a way where it's like, okay, now we have no more questions. Let's see what happens in the playoffs. But as a Finns fan, it is weird because they have not won a playoff game in 22 years. They have not hosted a playoff game since 2008. So there's part of me as a fan that is like, look, even if they're quote unquote frauds, but they win in the wild card round and lose in the divisional round, that's a really good season for a franchise that has not won in the playoffs in 25 years. But Obviously, there's that other element of the fan, and you know this well, Greg, like when the run is starting, it could, like the Bills that first year, I I mean, maybe you count the 2019 season, but talking the 2020 season, when they really started being consistent Super Bowl threats, that first year was the farthest year they've gone so far. There is something to every year is so precious, the Super Bowl window is so vulnerable that I don't want to just like throw away the fact that they could be the one seed this year, and that could be their best chance to ever get to the Super Bowl in this current, you know, Tua McDaniel Tyreek Hill era. And you and, don't want to not to to throw off your your flow, but the the point you brought up about health is yeah. that key part is that you never know who's going to be available, who's going to be not available the next time it comes around in that 13 seconds game. The Bills had everybody. And, and I still like it doesn't matter cuz we didn't, but I still believe they were the best team in the NFL in that moment. Like they were the best team in the league. I think they would have beat the Bengals, I think they would have housed the Rams. I think they would have won a Super Bowl. But they didn't cuz they didn't finish and didn't go in that spot. Then you go into follow-up games you start to, you know, then all of a sudden you have the Trey White ACL injury. You don't have him for that run. Then you're coming back the next year. You have Von Miller. Now you lose other pieces and you start to go through and you're not in the spot that you were. And then you're like, well, we're still pretty good, but we're not as good as that team was. If you don't capitalize in the moment when you have it, you're just going to be grasping at it and trying to figure out, oh, well, maybe we can almost be as good as that team was. Sometimes capitalizing when you have it, you know, I don't know that. The Giants were the best team either of their Super Bowl runs. It didn't matter. He no. like the Rams weren't the best team in the league the year they won the Super Bowl. Doesn't matter. They got a trophy. Like they don't they don't like give you half of a trophy because you weren't the best team in the league. Somebody's got to win. And if you get hot at the right time, you win. And to the to the Dolphins, sorry, if I, I promise I'll let you ask this question. I've cut you off twice enough, and so it's fine. No, it, but it, it like speaks directly to what Greg is saying because it's been one of like kind of like frustrating parts of this year. Like the Dolphins, look, you can laugh at it whether it's legitimate or not. The Dolphins have been planning this whole season for the Super Bowl. Like, genuinely, whenever a key player is 50-50, they hold him out every time. And it's sometimes frustrating in the moment when we're going to play the Eagles. Xavier Howard and Connor Williams are questionable. They both don't play. And then for the Eagles, Jalen Carter, Darius Slay, and Lane Johnson are all questionable, and all three of them play. And in the moment, you want the instant gratification of like, well, this isn't fair. Like all the coin flips won against us and they're playing all their guys. The teams are not at equal health right now. I don't like this. Like even with that Bills game, they also held out Connor Williams that week too, who is one of the more important players in the team because their backup center, Liam Eikenberg, gets trucked over, especially against a front like Buffalo's in that game where Daquan Jones was just humiliating him the entire game. It was the most pressured game to us had all year still to this day. And the Dolphins constantly say, no, 
we're going to take the risk. We're going to be extra precautious. We want guys ready for the end of the year at all costs. Even if it could maybe sacrifice a regular season game, we're trying to maximize health for January as much as we can. Now, can you actually like plan for that chaos? Maybe not. Maybe you just get bad luck and Jalen Waddle tears his ACL in week 15, knock on wood, even with the best intentions. But they are trying exactly to maximize the probability that everyone's healthy. For By all the reports locally around here, HN was not an IR-worthy injury. Like, he probably only needed to miss a game or two. He apparently was upset that he got put on IR. But the Dolphins were like, we will not take chances. We will not take any chance. We will sit the hottest player in the NFL at that time for four games if it means maximizing the chance that he does not make that injury worse and gets hurt for later in the year. Xavier Howard last week told reporters, I am playing against the Eagles, and he was held out. It's not even a guarantee he'll play this weekend. It seems like it, but they could be cautious again because their bye week is the next week. They are taking absolutely no risk on a health standpoint, specifically so they don't have that problem where you're in the divisional round and it's like, well, damn, three starters are gone. That may happen anyways, but they're doing everything they can because they really do believe they're good enough to try to prevent that from happening. Go ahead, Drew. I feel like with Miami, too, it's one of those things, look, obviously I know your week one game. Week one and week two, it was kind of like the, okay, what do we see from them? Because obviously, look, there was the seven-point game against New England, but it wasn't really that close, and you guys had the shootout with the Chargers. But I feel like regardless of who you've beaten, the fact that there was a 70-point game against the Denver Broncos, I feel like that was the true, like, holy shit, the Miami Dolphins are here and that they're, they're good. They're like they're good, and even to Sunday, we saw it. Like we saw what happens when you play your safety, you play your safety in against Tyreek Hill, and you don't play your safety deep. You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Um, my ultimate thing still is look Kansas City on Sunday. I, I I'll be honest with you, I like Miami in this game just because of the travel aspect. Greg, we know that very well that because of what happened to Buffalo a few weeks ago. Um, just the whole getting there. Like, look, they got there Monday night. They're well-rested. They're equipped for Frankfurt. We'll see what happens. I just think that if you guys do beat Kansas City, it's going to show, like, I'm just not ready for the whole – I like, when, you know, the national media always likes to turn it where it's like, oh, what went wrong with the Chiefs instead of, oh, what did the Dolphins do right? I feel like this is a game where, look, the defense can prove itself by shutting down guys like a Travis Kelsey because, look, like the, weapon, the weaponry on Kansas City, even though – you don't need much. It isn't there. And the ultimate thing, too, is is finding a way to get to 15 because we all know this from the OG days of the podcast, Big Rat, who's a coach I wanted on the hot seat since 2020? Vic Fangio. But what happened when the Chiefs played the Broncos, even though they just broke the streak and cost me survival? They managed to play the Chiefs tough from time to time, even with Fangio, in a very solid Broncos defense, even though they've been terrible for years now. So I feel like you have the upper hand there to where Fangio's going to know what to do come this Sunday against the Chiefs. But even though the whole thing about holding players out, like, look, it doesn't look good now and it sucks, I like their attitude because they know what the end goal is. It's like what I've what I've gotten to experience, where you know who gives a shit about what you do before Thanksgiving. It's from Thanksgiving onward is when the games matter and when you care about the game. So if you have guys healthy for then, that's when it's great. Injuries happen, we just can't predict them. But if you know a guy is going to be 50-50... Look, um, you you go from there. So that's that's all I want to say about the um, about the Miami Dolphins. Well, and I, I think Greg had mentioned I, I gotta go. I watched you guys the Bills Jaguars game because I was fully expecting. Oh, the Bills lost. Here come the excuses, blaming the weather or blaming the trauma from the Demar Hamlin thing or whatever excuse comes up as to why your team loses. And actually, I felt like Cover One did a good job in saying 
this is not because of the fact that the Bills came in late. You were kind of saying that the data says it kind of goes both ways on that. So, yeah. So not- Yeah, there's, you know, now don't get me wrong. If on the other side of the fact that the Jaguars were already there, rested and waiting for the Bills, and that counted as a home game for us, that's bullshit. Like the lead, the, that that sucks. Uh, but like winning and losing that game, no. Nah, I mean, it's just you know, the, both teams were out of their comfort zone. Both teams were in foreign soil. Both teams were were over there. Like, sure, did, did they have a chance at a slightly more comfortable start because they had been sleeping there for ten days? Sure, right? you know, I, I'm I'm sure that's a piece of it. But they're professional athletes. They're they were over there playing and 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 doing fine. I'm I'm way more bitter about the NFL agreeing to let them play on that horrible turf and it costing us three players injuries. I'm way, way more bitter about that than whether the team won or lost. I just went more from like a rest standpoint. That's all. Um, Oh yeah. No, I mean, it's, you know, I I think there are factors. I think teams go back and forth, but it's also like most, yeah. Like most things with fans, it's completely results based. You know, we, we look like, Oh, well, here's six other teams that left on a Friday night showed up played sunday and won they they didn't have jet lag like those guys uh aj epinesa had one of the most impressive defensive performances i've ever seen he was on the same plane as the other guys like he didn't have jet lag like it's we just we apply those excuses when we when we feel bad fair enough um i'm gonna keep myself and you guys on camera for this because i have uh basically i'll let you relish my pain um, I know we suck. I know this year has not gone to what we have. Um, our defense was looking solid, but injuries derailed the fuck out of us, especially that Dallas Cowboy game where we lost both Christian Gonzalez and Matthew Judon. Um, and as for the quarterback things, I know everyone talks about like, oh, this and this. I will say this for now. Short term, I will still buy into Mac just because there's nothing else there. There's nowhere else to go that's really going to make things better. It's kind of like you got to – you kind of like made you laid in your bed. You made your bed. You got to lay in it. Long term, they have cap, so we'll see what happens next year. It's just, it's more the questions of who's going to be there. I still feel like there. I, I just don't see a world where Belichick walks freely. I don't think that. I think he's kind of earned the right to do that. Because I've said this before on the show that there are certain coaches who have earned their keep to where. They won't be fired. I think Belichick's in that category. I think Harbaugh's in that category. Pete Carroll, there's a few other guys that can go on. As for this year, though, look. It was said best in a tweet from Sunday where, look, the defense can play as good as you can. It's a problem when your offense is a bunch of clowns driving the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. That's the big thing. Did I, respect, did I expect a Ramondre Stevenson regression season? Absolutely not. Our offensive line up until week seven was the first week they actually looked truly good in pass protection, even though against there. And then the other thing, too, is losses like what they did against the Saints is inexcusable. And the effort they gave against the Raiders was inexcusable. And in their last two games, when they lost, look, it's been made because Mac's just playing careless football. When We've seen what happens when Mac can put on his big boy pants, and we've seen what he does when he doesn't do that. And more times than not, he's done that because ultimately it's holes that the team has buried themselves in in games like the Eagles game, like the Dolphins game. Cowboys game was just a bad game in all facets. But then the Saints game too. As soon as they threw the pick six immediately, I knew the game was done. 
But even stuff like the Jalen Ramsey interception, big grab, that was an inexcusable throw that he had. He was trying to get hitched on the route, and pretty much they're trying to make chicken salad with chicken shit, and you're getting more shit than salad at the moment. So that's all I'm going to say about the New England Patriots. I'll just, my only comment is, my only solace that if the Bills stumble and stub their toe and don't even make the playoffs is that us letting you beat us in week seven is the reason you won't get Caleb Williams or Drake May. There's another quarterback I'm eyeing that's actually younger. Yeah. Oh, I thought, you, Jr. I thought you were eyeing future New England quarter, New England Patriots starter Kirk Cousins. Which sounds like there was some there were some older names I threw out there just because I didn't know if I wanted the vet route or the rookie route, but Kirk Cousins is a name that's gone off the radar now because obvious for obvious reasons. Yeah, he'll be fine for next year. Yeah. Achilles is no longer the career ender that it was before, even if even if it's not three and a half months. Yeah, um like can like, you buy like, dolphin sex sounds at Coles though? It's now it's <laughs> It's now a uh, like five to eight month injury and and a much higher level recovery rate than what it used to be almost a career ender. Yeah. And then um, I think we were talking about this in the offseason too. Like I did float the Kyler name out there, but I don't know about that one just because it's kind of weird. So the more I'm thinking about it, I think I just I'm at a crossroads right now because it's like, do you want to go over vet or do you want to repeat the rookie cycle again? But regardless, I need to see true competition in training camp next year. That's where I'm looking at for the quarterback it, position. I, I don't even think it's competition. I, yeah. Mac Jones ain't it. He, he no. will probably he ain't it. <laughs> no. If, if no. you get a young quarterback, you'll probably like put Mac Jones somewhere else. I'm not saying he will have a home, but even in the modern NFL, we just never see like two first round picks battling it out in training camp. It might be cool as an experiment, but like we just don't really see it. So I think I, it'll be like day two like trade thing kind of like what we saw the Cardinals do with Josh Rosen back in 2019 if they do go first round quarterback yeah so basically the way I look at them is like I'm pretty sure all four of us can agree they're not going to be a playoff team so at this point start winning mess up the tank because it's a clear and obvious sign you guys should be tanking and if you can somehow finish the season with six wins that's perfect that's great no I will be super or rooted for them the against the commander Sunday. <laughs> yeah, if you, and if you do get the quarterback, you're going to blow up your whole team's, you know, draft capital future. So either way, it, it's a win-win. But, um, but yeah, man, this has been a great season to watch them. I know Bigger, that's a closet Patriot fan, so I'm sure. Yeah. I, I've I've been a closet of Bill Belichick fan, I guess I would say. I take I, – trust me, there's no love loss with Mac Jones. I will never, ever forgive all those people that said he was better than Dua Mac's rookie year. I have all those takes saved. I have all the tweets, like, ready to go. Like, I, I want nothing more than that guy to throw multiple interceptions and continue to get benched from time to time. Like, it brings, brings me a lot of joy. Um, so, two quick things I want to do before we go. One is talk about some of the games of Sunday. If there's any best bets we like, I know Big Ride only says it's top five. But before that, I have some trivia for you guys because I learned this this week. Obviously, Saturday night in college football, Alabama plays LSU. Jalen Daniels or Jaden Daniels can become the second quarterback in history to beat Nick Saban twice. Do any of you know who the first is? It is Bo Wallace. Really? I was pretty sure about that. Does anyone have an answer, or do you want me to say it? I, say. I'm going to say Johnny Menzel. Nah, he lost the rematch. It's not Bo Wallace? It is Drew Brees. Oh, wow. From his time at Michigan State. Huh. 
when Brees played at Purdue. That's actually so. Really other than that, he's never lost to the same quarterback twice. Yep, that's crazy impressive. That is something I learned, and I just thought it was impressive. Um, but before we go, guys, is there a bet on the? As obviously, all the odds are on the board. Or is there a game on Sunday that you have your eye on from a perspective that you like to help people win some money? Literally any over in the in the Chiefs versus the Dolphins game. I think, Ooh, I think it's going to be fireworks. No, I, I actually disagree uh, because I have a different view on that game because the Chiefs the Chiefs are a really really good pass defense and a really really bad run defense, and the Dolphins have been trying to run for weeks and have not been able to. I think they're actually going to try to get Raheem Mostert to get like 150 yards in that game. I don't think it's like, sure, Tyreek is, you know, on pace for 2,000 yards. I'm sure he'll have a 100-yard game in some form. And a revenge game for him. But I, I actually think the Dolphins, both when you combine the Dolphins' defense playing better for all the reasons I said earlier, with the Dolphins' running game probably having more success than their passing game, it actually wouldn't surprise me at all if that's more of like a 24-20 kind of game. Yeah, I think 50 and a half is too high. I like, I, I've told Danny this before you guys came in the room. I really like the under Sunday. I think it's a hard week betting. Uh, I will say, in general, those overseas games go a lower score than what most games do. So I think if, if that game was here in Miami or Kansas City, I would 100% agree. 50 and a half is a lot for a, a, a European game, but. There's so many explosive weapons in that game. It wouldn't shock me. Uh, I'll say a sneaky one. I I don't think the Browns should be giving eight points to anybody. I know the Cardinals aren't good. Um, Maybe it matters that it's Clayton Toon, but Josh Dobbs has been playing pretty bad. Uh, The Cardinals are one of those teams that lose all the time but hang around with everybody and make scrappy plays. Uh, I just don't think the Browns should be giving eight points to anybody. And honestly, I don't know that the Saints are way different either. Uh, given eight and a half to the Bears. Those are both ugly. You don't like betting on the Bears or the Cardinals. Those are ugly games to feel. But that's also one if you did a teaser and you did the Cardinals and the Bears and you got them both up over 14 and a half, I, that's probably a pretty comfortable situation. There's a chance that that Cardinals game is uh, P.J. Walker versus Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray was mm-hmm. off the injury report today. I know they yeah. said that, I know they said it's probably going to be next week, but – I do find it notable that he's not even on the injury report anymore. Yeah. I, I like- would that that's easily one of the if you told me nine weeks ago that that was going to be the case, I would have just said flat out you're a liar. They're going to tank. Yep. He's not going to play a snap this season. The fact that it looks like he might play like eight games this year is shocking to me. Uh, I, I like I like that Cardinals call. I I I don't have Fab Fives to give out. I think it's a really tough week. I actually like Greg's Bills. Um, I think. Because of I, I know you're the reason why you're concerned as a fan is the same reason why it's opportunity betting wise. Because yeah, I agree, everyone just everybody's going to pick the Bengals. The Bengals, everyone is going to pick the Bengals. Destroy the Niners. They destroyed the Bills in the playoffs. It's in Cincinnati. All the hype is centered yeah. there. Whereas I think it's more of a coin flip game, and you're getting three points with the underdog. It, yeah. I, Josh Allen, I saw a stat. He's like five and two straight up. His last seven games as an underdog. I don't know how often you guys are not favored, but still. No, uh, they, they do, and the same thing. Like every NFL team plays the nobody believes in us, like everybody doubted us card all the time. The Bills are really good at it. Sean McDermott's very good at the bulletin board material. When we actually much prefer to be doubted, we've we've given lots of reasons for people to doubt us right now, so it's easy to do. Uh, but yeah, that that one's a, a little more comfortable. I there is no Blue back Levis door to be left open. Beat the Steelers. There is no back door to be left open in Cincinnati on uh, Sunday. Uh, two bets that I like personally, I like the Bills at plus two as well. I like the Bills outright to win for the same reason. You know, it's the whole 
Buffalo hasn't looked good in a month. Like, obviously they've won, but they haven't had a signature win. I feel like this is a win that everyone can kind of go, and I'm going to quote Chris Sims on this, holy crap, there's Josh Allen out there throwing freaking lasers. Um, and then the other one that I like is Philadelphia minus three. I think, look, Dallas is coming off a really big win against the Rams. Um, and and Philadelphia, too. I know they beat the Miami Dolphins, but look, they beat the Commanders. There was a dogfight. This screams Philadelphia kind of like putting their seal on where it's like, oh, hey, Dallas is Dallas and Philly is Philly. Uh, I also really like the over in this game at 46.5 points where the one total in Germany is a little too high, which if you think this total in Germany is high, next week's going to be like 36.5 when the Patriots and the Colts go over there. Um <laughs> And one underdog I actually like when I'm looking at the board right now is I like Seattle plus six. I feel like I know Baltimore's looked really good. I just feel like that's a little bit too much points considering Seattle's not that Seattle's looked really good this year. They've been a team that's really impressed me. And a stupid one I have is Vegas. I just, I don't trust the giants right now. I don't know who's a quarterback and look at last year, the Colts won their first game with Jeff Saturday and then lost the rest of them there. So yeah, I think the, the, the dead cat bounce of a fired coach is real. Like that, yeah. That like rallying cry in, in uh Antonio Pierce. Is it Antonio yeah. Pierce? Yeah. I can well, see it. That giant defense is legit, though. I will say that. It, it's yeah. been it kind of started against the Dolphins before I know like against the Bills is where they defense kind of like notoriously got pub for like playing well, but that was two of his worst game of the year, was against the Giants. So like they've even though the Dolphins still scored 31, because that's just how good the Dolphins offense is. Like their quarterback can play bad, and they can still do that with Achan and Mostert, et cetera. Uh, so, yeah, like I think that one's kind of tricky because the guy got fired like on a short week too, which I don't know if that like affects anything at all. That he got fired on a Tuesday night and Wednesday morning is when Pierce met with the players. So. Everybody got fired. Like they fired Mc, the uh, McDaniel, fired the OC, fired the GM. Yeah. Like just a lot of people that you don't normally see that amount of firing in season. I spotted at Logan airport this afternoon. And, and like, I, I fully believe in the dead coach balance. Absolutely. So I got a very unique angle here. It, it is possible to me that if the Raiders lose this game, the dead coach bounce does still exist just the next week instead. No, so, I can see. I can see. No. I'm when curious. Jets, no. um, another one I like too, when because of the Jets, topic of it. We play, we, we play them. We play them. The the, Danny, the Jets can beat or lose to any team. That, that's how they are. You guys almost lost to the Giants. Like, that's how you guys are. I, I, I just don't see a path. All right. But, all right. We'll see. We'll see. Um, a bet I do like in that game regardless, though, is Max Crosby over sacks, just because obviously that New York Giants offensive line is bad, and he yeah. is a monster. Maniac. He is a maniac. Um, but anyway, guys, this episode, honestly, time flew by. This was a blast. We got to hear all about your good. You got to hear about my bad and all of you just go, we don't feel bad for you. Well, that's how it goes. But I can also say this, Greg, you can thank me because the only one o'clock games you have left this year are against us. And I'll say that too, because if I had to put money on it right now, week 18 is probably going to be you and Big Rat in that Sunday night football window. Yeah, that game will either be Sunday night football, biggest game of the season, or it will completely not matter. There's like Correct. It's, it's one or the other. Yeah. yeah. It, if it matters at all, it, it is the best one on the slate uh, and the most likely to have it come down to the division or seeding or whatever it might be. But if there's a, you know, a multiple game gap between there and you can't make any difference, you're going to have everybody sitting and it won't matter. 
You're gonna have you're gonna have uh, Mike White versus Kyle Allen like that. That's <laughs> what it uh, it'll be it'll be the first drive of Josh Allen, and then he'll sit because he's never <laughs> missed a start, so he won't he won't want to uh, miss a start. And the Jets will be ending their 15 game losing streak to the Patriots Week 18 to make the playoffs, baby. That's Seven right. B, let's go. That's right. I'm up, I'm up, Griff. I'm on the Patriots in that game, no matter what the line is. You never at Zach Aaron Rodgers is starting. I don't know what you mean. Dolphins X to the to the rescue. Yeah. Uh, and the only thing I'll say about the Patriot game this Sunday is I know you guys want us to win the the ruin the tank. I I, I can yeah. see them winning just because who's who's on that Washington defense now? No one. Yeah. It's just and it's more the less Sam Howell looks fine against trash uh you know coaches. Belichick can still put together a game plan. Yeah, that's that's where I think like this game's gonna be like a 20 to 17 kind of football game or even lower scoring. That's yeah. why more I feel like this goal. game more, yeah, more or, field goals. Yeah, or even like sixteen to ten, somewhere in that yeah, range. Sixteen nine. Yeah. 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 Give me, give me, there. give me a scoregami. Give me a scoregami. There you go. Yeah. this call on that game. Yeah. Throw in, throw in a safety. You get like eighteen eleven or something. Ooh, I, I like it. Um. Also, before we go, I just want to look this up quickly on FanDuel. What the line is for that German game next Sunday between the Colts and the Patriots? Because I love how it's like Frankfurt. Hey, you get rewarded with one of the best games of the year, and then the next week, the best foreign game ever. The yeah, best foreign game, the ga- best game on foreign soil in NFL history. Uh, the following week, it's Patriots by three, and the total's currently at forty point five. That the, yep, no, oh, uh, FanDuel has it at forty four, and the Patriots are minus one and a half. One and a half, yeah, I've got one and a half and forty four. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm on FanDuel. Get that so under and now. Yeah. Uh, one under 44 i'll tell you i'll yeah. take that today uh, i'll take that gladly uh one of the total i'll say too to be nice is i think i like danny as a dog this weekend too i think everyone's gonna look at chicago being like oh you guys be uh, the chargers being like you beat chicago uh but that's just me but guys we'll say this again it's a blast getting to do this to four of us maybe you know what let's do this at the end of the season so we can all go back and be like hey you can make fun of me and i can wish you guys well in the playoffs but anyway, guys, that's going to do it here. Episode 260 in the bag. The race to 300 is still on. Have a good night, everybody. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.